host, Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. Hey, so you might have missed it, but I was on Facebook Live recently having a really good chat. And in the interests of, you know, look, let's face it, I'm a solo parent of three children during this crazy time in our lives. And I just figure if you've missed what I've said on Facebook Live, let's pop it on the podcast so you can listen to it in your ears while you're walking escaping from your children, having a little bit of you time, whatever it is. Um, I am here doing my best to keep bringing you interesting and inspiring content uh, while also managing, well, I don't know if you can hear all the noise in the background. So um, enjoy this replay of a recent Facebook Live. See you soon. Hi, everyone. Yeah, we can Last week when I was doing this, Nadia and I were 20 minutes late. So tonight it's only five. Getting better. That is a win for the team. So you guys, I haven't had the chance to talk to Ali since she's become a global superstar. You laugh, but BBC, I mean, we're picked up every little cell. Like, I mean, this thing has gone mental it's gone bananas it did yeah so uh, so do you want me to just run you through what happened tell us this tell us tell everyone because some people might not know who you are which would be weird because okay. everyone should um and like why I'm talking to you all right apart from just well I'm Alison Davies you can call me Ali Lisa and I've been friends for years and I've been on her page a lot so most of you will recognize me I'm a neurologic music therapist so I uh, I sort of specialise in understanding how the brain responds uh, to music. And I'm not talking about music as like a, a polished final song or something that we listen to. I'm talking about all the tiny little elements that come together to make up music. So rhythm, melody, vibration, harmony, tempo, silence, movement, all of these tiny little things that all together make music. The brain responds to all of those things differently and because of that when we experience music our entire brain becomes active and we can use music strategically to support ourselves and our children to function at our best and to regulate so that we are not in survival mode so that's what I do and a couple of weeks ago um when the coronavirus was starting to sort of become a bit of a deal here in Australia I sang a little tune called every little cell which is a very 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 old song it's not mine and it's been around for a long time, and I just sang it on a Facebook Live on my page, and if I'd known a lot of people were going to see it, I probably would have done a better angle because I was like <laughs> kind of like phoned down like this. And so you, you can go. Kind of, mm. Now that I'm sort of 40, my, my chin neck thing. Yeah, we've got to do it from a bit uh, higher. Anyway, um, I think, I don't know, it's been maybe about 10 million people have seen it, but in... <laughs> I um, started getting inquiries from, my very first inquiries was from the BBC and a woman in Barcelona who saw it, who was just another person like us who just saw it and contacted me and said, I just love this song. I love it. I I just love everything about you and let's do something. I'm calling my friend who was on a reality TV show and she's got some followers and we're going to organise a live and then I've got a friend in the radio over here and and she just started passing it around to friends and it's so cool how that happens, isn't it? Just people sharing things with their friends. It's just, it's, it's my, you know what? It's, I'm not surprised because I've always known you were going to be very, very famous because of what you know and how you deliver it and how it changes people's lives when they know what you teach them. Uh, But you know what this was? It was the profound simplicity and, and, and it's given people something to do that 
in, in, in like so it's not only I, I feel like everyone's kind of like oh I can't I can't grab on to anything right now <laughs> and here's this beautiful simple song that yeah. just it yeah. just gets in your head and you just start repeating it over and over again um and 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 it's something that you can do and you can do it with your children and it makes you feel better so yeah. like hallelujah spread yeah. that shit because it's such a beautiful example of how when everything's complicated yes really really big and complicated we want to come back to the most basic instinctive mm-hmm. thing that we can do to be safe which is sing to our children like that's the most basic that we do we sing to our children from the moment they're born it is the most core human response to helping our children feel safe and it makes us feel safe by doing it and i think that's why it's just it was just i think just people saw that and they remembered that oh we can do this yeah. um you know it just it brings the simplicity back into the complicated yeah mm. so much i have i have quite a few questions for you right. tonight <laughs> so and and you guys i'm going to keep checking uh your comments I can't see them here where we are. We're in Zoom, which everyone knows about now. Isn't it funny, Ali? We'll never have to say like, so this is an online thing because when we run webinars or online workshops, we always have to kind of describe Zoom. Now the whole world knows about Zoom and probably everyone's on the house party app as well, which is a beautiful thing. But I'm going to keep checking on my phone for your for your comments, guys, and any questions that you might have for Ali. But I really want to... Um, kind of ground this conversation in actually what was just happening over on my Insta stories today. So uh, I asked a question, like I was having, today I was having a bit of a, a down day. I was just having one of those days. I think it was seeing the thousands of Indians on the street today. Did you see those images? They're all fleeing the cities. They're trying to find, they're putting, um, like they're trying to sleep in trees and stuff and just the, like, it it was like horror. Like that was my sort of feeling was like, this is, this is like a scene from a, a scary movie. And, and I feel, whereas like Monday I was almost manic with like (laughs) sharing the funny memes and like, you know, and, and so I'm going through this kind of, up and downness. And I think because of all the work I've done over the years, I'm really good at recognizing um, the thoughts that are kind of sitting behind my emotions and, you know, allowing myself to feel, just feel them, don't judge them, just allow myself to feel the feelings. But it's kind of tiring being on this like almost up and down. And and when I when I shared that on Insta stories today, I just said, is anyone else feeling this? And it's like, you know, when you get responses and it's just everyone was resonating with this up and downness. Like I can feel fine. I can feel grateful. Everything's okay. And then I'm just like, I've got no motivation to get up. I don't know what to do. Uh, I feel that kind of despair. So this is, I I feel like everyone's got feelings right now. We're all feeling stuff. And so I wanted to talk to you first about what is actually happening in our brains right now, because there's, it's almost like, can we even comprehend it? But we're asking our brain, you know, I talk about change all the time and it's like, don't, don't overwhelm your brain. Your brain doesn't like too much to, it's got a lot to process all the time. So just, you know, <laughs> clear stuff out. Like remember that podcast we did about anxiety with Nick? Yes. And it was so interesting because you were just like, your brain, just just clear away stuff because it's it's doing a lot of work. And that's in like our daily life when everything is, you know, normal. Yeah, was years ago before it got really <laughs> complicated. Right. So what is, can you just give us a little bit yeah. of, so we can understand and we can have, you know, love yeah. for these, our brains that are oh. doing a lot right now. Okay. So I basically say it's almost impossible to be emotional and cognitive at the same time. It's not if they're kind of balanced and not too big, but if you've got big emotions, you can't. So think of your brain as like these two bits, the bottom and the top, mm-hmm. emotions, cognitive. 
one, uh, if you just picture them side by side, if one's taking over the entire brain, basically this one's just like, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm not getting any airtime. Um, and when you're really super cognitive, like if you're writing a thesis or you're on or you're like in an interview or something and you're just thinking and you're da 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 you're not feeling your emotions in that moment. Like that is not when you are feeling the, you know, when you're in flow, when you're mm-hmm. in flow, you're not caught up in the emotion. And when you're having big feelings, you're not thinking clearly. It's like when you have a, a fight with your husband or, for example, your emotions are so big that the thinking part doesn't have any airtime and that's why you never know what to say in the fight. And then the next day you wake up and go, oh, man, I've just sort of some really good things to say because the emotion's gone away and, and this part of the brain's back on. Mm. You kind of think of your brain as having these two really big functions. This, this is not literally how it happens, but this is my analogy so you can sort of get an idea of the functioning and what's happening in there. So at times of threat, fear, anxiety or unknown, the brain the brain does not like unknown. So the brain, and the brain can't tell a real risk from a, um, from a um, perceived risk. So my family and I have been isolating, this is our third week, well before there was any coronavirus in our part of Tasmania. And also Tasmania is a secluded island. We've got a lot less going on right now. So I don't have any real fear that we are going to get this virus, but you know, in theory, but I'm still feeling all the ups and downs of the anxiety because my brain can't tell the difference. And so I can rationalize it all I like, but my brain's going to do what it's going to do. So everybody's limbic system, which is the part of the brain that's to do with emotions and anxiety and threat responses. Also, it's to do with long-term memories and melody, which is why we can use melody to ease emotion, which we can talk about later. The limbic system becomes highly active at times of uncertainty or threat or anxiety. Now, that means we experience big, big, big feelings. And when our limbic system is hyper-stimulated, the prefrontal cortex up here behind the forehead, which is where all the executive functions happen, so all of our ability to even talk, work out what words mean what, analyze, evaluate the situation, make decisions on what to do next, focus, engage, um, all of those things are just unable to be accessed. The next thing, so it is, it is impossible to process. Mm. And that's why um, it, the whole like um, making space uh, that we talked about, that's ideal in a brain that isn't either neurodivergent and constantly stuck in a state where these imbalance, not imbalances, but where the limbic system is is huge and the cognitive thinking is low or whatever, or at times like this when everybody's in a huge state of overwhelm and it would be unhuman of us not to be experiencing that, mm. then it's really, really, uh, it's really, really difficult and I'd say somewhat impossible to, you know, cognitively change your stories or make space or think differently. Like we actually can't process this our brain can't integrate this information it's too much and so we really are literally uh, just a up and down or I like to think of emotions as coming in and out it's just in and out in and out coming through up and down in and out Mm. and ideally we want to feel up and down because if we are feeling if if the emotion because emotion is very literally energy in motion Mm. so it's impossible to be to to have a tangible state. Like it's a, it's impossible to be to be. I I live in a state of happiness. I live in a state of anything. Like there's no there's no actual way that we can be in a state of any emotion. It's just something that's coming in, being inside us for a bit, and moving out. Yeah. So we want to be up and down because that means the emotions coming in hanging out for a bit and then going and then you're manic and then you're lethargic and then you're crying and then you're laughing hysterically. And, and that's what we want because that means the emotions are coming in and we're just going high and letting them go. It's when we grab onto them and go, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to survive this. What, what are we going to do? And when we hold on to the emotion and keep it inside us and don't let it go, mm. 
that's when we start to get kind of ungrounded. So everyone who's feeling up and down and up and down is exactly in the most healthy emotional space right now. Right. Well, that, and you know, it's really interesting that you say this. I always have little like breakthroughs. I always have little aha moments when I talk to you, like every single time. And And it's so interesting what you were saying, just even about the cognitive and emotive. And I always used to say that work saved me through the past few years. And it would be because it would get me out of that emotive state. And I would be in my thinking, like, and that would feel so good and such a relief from the emotion. And I, and I, you know, with the work that I do, like the first part of it, and it's so funny because sometimes the question that I get from people is, how do you feel your feelings? Because it's always like, you can't do anything until you've actually experienced the emote, like whatever you're feeling, feel it. I I tried to not feel for quite a while. Like I was like, I'm just going to keep myself. Like go on. It's really good for that. Especially when you love your job, work is the best way of avoiding your emotions. I think there's so many ways that we avoid emotions. And so, so what I, what has helped me and and something that I tell people, if, if people are hearing this and they're like, well, I kind of feel fine. So does that mean I'm in denial or I'm not letting myself feel my feelings? I, I use music sometimes to help me express, like I'll put on songs that I know make me feel sad. I played, um, the earth song by Michael Jackson today. <laughs> and um songs that make me cry. Oh, it makes me cry every single time. And and I, because I knew I needed to just have a bit of a cry, but there were kids everywhere, there was stuff going on, but I knew I knew I'd get to it with that and I could release yes. the, that emotion. Is that and that's an important part of this, isn't it? That's that's actually one of my daily practices. So I have a di- I have a daily tear practice where I cry every day. And I consciously make it part of my daily routine. doesn't matter when it happens. I didn't cry yesterday. Oh, no, I've been crying every day lately. But sometimes um, I don't cry till the evening. But I induce my tears in a kind of similar way. And I usually do it by watching, like, Britain's Got Talent auditions or, at the moment, American Idol. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling you. <laughs> you see the girl who like sang on the train and she didn't have a family and she grew up in the Bronx or somewhere and she just came on and started singing like an angel and they were like, I love you. And she brought in her box that she has on the train and the judges put money in it because she's only used to singing with a little broken box in front of her. And she couldn't sing on the big stage in Hollywood because she's only ever sung on trains. That is the stuff that gets me. Now, I I think this is an absolute brilliant way of inducing tears because I don't have any actual real personal attachment to it. So I can allow myself to get into that moment and cry. And when I hear the voice, because I know that melody activates the limbic system, which means it opens it up and lets the feelings come out. Mm-hmm. So melody is one of the best ways that we can just take the lid off the limbic system to let some things out. Mm. And that is why we cry when any, whenever we hear any really melodic, we're more likely to cry with melodic music than we are with hip-hop, rap, drum beats or anything like that. And that is why I use um, Britain's Got Talent Idol, Idol things, auditions, because not only do I get just a few minutes of hearing their really sad story, it's always a sad story, isn't it? And then I see them standing on the stage and they're just like, this is the moment of my entire life. And then I open their mouth and they sound brilliant. And then the melody of the song opens my limbic system up, just takes the cap off and then the tears come out. And there are times where I am too emotional or too sensitive to, um, to to cry to things like that to other people's sad stories um or beautiful stories um I've gotten to know myself really well and I know that on most days I can just watch those those um audition videos and have a few tears and I'm done but sometimes when I'm really feeling stuck or overwhelmed in life I know that I need to do it a different way and I usually then um do a much more gentle thing that doesn't involve crying usually um 
I can cry to those things and not, and not get attached to it and not fixate on it because it's not, I know that's just a momentary couple of minutes in time that I'm having this experience and then I'm going to forget all about that person and move on with life. Yeah. <laughs> so actually crying to music is so healthy and it's why we cry to, um, you know, sad country love songs and stuff when we have a breakup um, and we'll, we'll, we'll put a sad song on repeat for an hour it, that's exactly why we do it because it it allows the limbic system to release emotion. Melody melody is what does that in the brain. Like the actual neuroscience is that melody actually opens up the limbic system basically so that emotion can flow. So amazing. Brains are so fascinating. But I have a question about, um, so I, I would say I haven't experienced um, uh, mental illness myself. Mm. Um, but I know that, the, that there's a lot of people that do. And so when something big happens like this and everyone's, you know, talking about the impacts on mental health, you know, I, I feel a little bit anxious just thinking about not, not seeing people like it just, I'm um, just having to like sit with a little bit of like I always feel like a little bit panicky or something about it. But how does someone, how do you know, you know, if you, if you kind of, if you're not okay anymore? Because I think we really need, uh, well, don't you see, like you well, must see it coming to, like just a wave of, of yeah. grief or, or trauma that people aren't going to kind of know what to do with or otherwise... Yeah. Uh, mentally healthy people are going to be finding themselves in situations that they just don't, they just don't know why they can't kind of get motivated. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it the thing that's happening or oh, is, it, is it tripping into something else, you know? So many different things going on here. Firstly, because everyone's experiencing this, no one is really able to hold space for anyone. So no matter your mental health, we're not really able to be there for anyone. Really, I literally had this conversation of I'm, I when I'm going through the highs and lows, how do I hold space for my communities? Yeah, I just. But here's the other thing: I was talking with a girlfriend about the other day because no one's actually holding. We, we're. I said to her, I am so sensitive with my own emotional needs right now that I can't, I can't take on anyone else's. Mm. But then we said how because we're all experiencing exactly the same thing, Mm. it feels like we're being held by everyone Mm. because we're mirroring the exact same feelings and fears and unknowns. Yes. So I kind of feel like everyone I talk to on FaceTime now because I'm not seeing them in real life, uh, we're all, I feel really beautifully emotionally supported, but. I'm pretty sure it's no one's actively holding space for me. It's just that we're all experiencing the same thing and we can feel that off, bounce that off each other. So we feel emotionally supported. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. I think we just feel, because I know sometimes well, when I was going through the, those really deep stages of grief, um, I actually didn't want anything. There was nothing anyone could do for me because I just was in it. It was just that that there was someone there that could witness or someone who could just be like, I see this, it's hard. And, and that's what we're all doing for each other. You know, I was literally, uh, you know, walking around the streets cause there's nothing else. <laughs> just like, okay guys, scooters again. All right, let's go. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, someone just talking, just going, you know, they're driving me fucking mental. Like I just, I can't, I just needed to get out. And it's just like everyone's having the same. Everyone is feeling the exact same thing. And this has never happened. Like I don't remember a time when I have felt that everybody else around me understands my emotion, but they're not actually understanding my emotion. They're just having their own, which is yeah. exactly yeah. And I'm really supported because of it. Yes. Okay. So in terms of. In terms of, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we're all a bit fucked up right now, so that's great. Good. What I was going to say with people who are already mentally unstable or who have a mental illness or, or experience um, 
what they perceive to be mentally imbalanced or emotionally imbalanced, it's a really super tough time. And the problem is because it, it, it like the important things where we need to, to recognise that in ourselves and, and, and support and do start support and stuff is way before we get to this crisis point of what we're in now because firstly you need to recognise when that onset is coming. Like I recognise when an onset or like a big surge of overwhelm or anxiety is about to take over me because I can feel it building up in me for days yeah. and I can say to my family, I'm really sorry, I'm struggling so hard right now, you just can't touch me. I can't even be in a room. I'm sorry. It's not you. I just, you know, and I I will do all that because I recognize those signs and I know that when I am in an acute stage of not coping, I shut down and I become nonverbal and I, I lie in the fetal position and that's, that's what I do. Um, and sometimes I have meltdowns. Um, so, but I've had to take a lot of time of knowing me and knowing how I react to, to feel these things coming on to then be able to plan for it. And I always say to people, the most important time to support your mental health or your anxiety or, or anything, no matter what it is, is in there every day when everything's just normal. Because when you come to the time where you can feel it building up and you can feel you're getting on edge and everything's getting hard, or you know you've got an event coming up this weekend and you don't want to go, you're not sure how to make small talk and it's all just like, if you just start to try and support your needs at that point, you're already, it's already so much harder. But when you support yourself day after day after day as your lifestyle, you're like cup, like if this was my brain, if this cup was my brain and this was my anxiety and I'm just looking after myself, having a little cry every day, I'm just reducing bits of emotion every day because I'm doing my little practice, my tear practice. And then when I come to coronavirus lockdown, I've got all this capacity left before I start to overflow with not coping. So that's how it works. It really needs to be a lifestyle. It needs to be like, it's. I just wish Centrelink could backdate us all three months so we could start working on our emotions three months ago to prepare ourselves emotionally for this. Um, and that's why it's such a difficult thing for people who are in an acute mental situation or chronic mental situation right now. And there isn't a way out of that except to know that everything you do to support your needs every single day, even when you are in it, is helping you to regulate and is helping the threshold not build up. So even if your threshold is right here and you're overflowing and you're not coping or you're shut down or you're screaming or, or you're doing whatever you do to try and cope, um, every single tiny little piece of self-care that you do to support your own needs, uh, and this is assuming that you understand what your needs are, which isn't everyone as well, so it's a really complex situation, but every little thing you do, does make a difference and that's yeah. the only and it doesn't feel like good enough advice but no it sucks it can sucks. You, can't you just give them like the 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 one to ten in how to get through and this is the thing it's the same it's and, and I feel it's because we already came into this kind of fatigued with the bushfires so what you're yeah. explaining about the about the the cup I feel like we already had like a mm. I mean I remember right I remember with the bushfires just going I don't know how to show up I don't know how I don't know what to do I I don't know this just feels so, and then there's just been event after, and then we had the, um, the domestic violence, the, um, oh. the family in the, and, and then we had the hail and it's just, and the floods. And I'm like, yeah, I'm peaking. Yeah. And what do, like, this is the thing I feel like for so many Australians, especially like this is already, and yeah. that's, that's on top of just, you know, starting off the school year or um, jobs that are stressing us out or, you know, relationships oh, that uh, aren't working. Like, I, do you know, so look, so much. the only other thing that, that keeps popping to my mind as you're talking is, and you've said this a thousand times, and this is my experience too, when you're in the deepest of the shit where you're like, I can't fucking... I can say, can I say the F word here? Look, we're just going to say the fucking F word because it's like I cannot get through another fucking day when you're in that darkest, like, this is it. I've been in that moment. I called life. I didn't call lifeline. I needed to call lifeline. I was in a crisis moment in my life. It was my darkest point. It was the hardest. And I was trying to call lifeline and I couldn't work out. I couldn't think clearly enough to work out how to call them. And 
I'm actually a lifeline telephone counsellor and I couldn't think of the lifeline number and I just couldn't do it. And then I couldn't work out how to Google lifeline. And then anyway, that moment passed and I was okay. But in that moment, in my darkest, darkest moment, I, I did not see a possible way out. And uh, that is when I realised that I'm really strong and I survive in, in every single moment in that um, lifeline day. I was just surviving every moment, like every microsecond and then microsecond and then microsecond. I was just surviving every bloody microsecond as they came. And that was like the most bravest, incredible thing I've ever done. And I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm trying not to cry. Don't you cry. When you when you survive these hardest times where you're like, this cannot be survived. Like, I don't know what's going on, but this is not, I can't survive this. Um, and then you do. You just, you're a, a, a different person and you yeah. can never go back to being the person you were before that moment. And so for people who are acutely or chronically in this right now and just do not know how to survive, they will never be the person they were before now because they are so much stronger already. Right. And I just, it's sometimes I feel like when I say it, it's tokenistic You when you, because it's actually really rough to go through those times, but it is, you're right. I do say it a lot. It is when I, I started to find myself and, and I don't know if you watch follow Glennon Doyle on Instagram and she was talking about her sister um, and she was talking about grief, I think yesterday or the day before on her um, family meetings and how her sister went through a really horrible um, divorce and surprising divorce and she stayed in her basement and for, for a year and she realised um, quite quickly that her sister was going downstairs after dinner and she was just crying in her little basement and so Glennon would just would go down, just sit on the other side of the door and just be like, you know, letting her cry. And the way she described it, and I think it's in it's in her, she said that this story is in her new book, which I haven't read yet, um, that she was in her cocoon in that basement. And it's really, really hard to turn into a butterfly. Like it takes all the effort of the caterpillar. It's like I'm shutting the world out, I'm going in and I'm transforming. But it's like it's really hard labour. And then when she came a year later, she came out of the basement and she went and volunteered in Rwanda and um, met her forever guy, you know, had children. And but she she couldn't have gone through it. She couldn't have become that without that that time. And that's why I cry on Insta. That's why I I share that the, the pain because so people know that that's happening as well as other good things are happening. I mean, I have children to ground me and I have a a life and, and, and I feel, I don't even, I can't even remember who I was. I actually, I struggle to think about 2018 Lisa because I feel so completely transformed, yeah. right? But what, what, why, why I have hope in humanity in this moment? What, what, what I can kind of believe in is that if we are at a collective level going into the cocoon, like we're having a really, really hard, rough time, we're going to experience grief at a collective level that we've never known before and at a personal level like I mean I'm experiencing we experience it we open up the news grief like I'm sad I was my kids were at a we were at a footy oval um today I just scooted them down it's scootering just like scootering around the neighborhood and the sprinklers were on and they're like can we please run under the sprinklers and I was like yeah run under the sprinklers and then I was weeping I was crying listening to them squealing about the sprinklers because I'm like, this is going to all be shut down. I don't even know what to do with these emotions. But what I what I do know is that through like even our little family, we've grown so much. This is going to grow us again. And it doesn't make what we're going through okay or better. 
when yeah. we're going through it. It's just like I just have this knowing inside myself yeah. that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And 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 for the world. Yeah. Even although we have to go through hard things first. Yes. I have the same feeling and I have the same vision and I have the same I can see that 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 will be. Uh, and then I catch myself and I go, oh, that's so bloody privileged to be able to think like that because you're not homeless and you're not in a domestic violence and your poor children are fed and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like you. I'm going back and forth between seeing a collective growth and also just also checking myself and, and seeing that there's going to be so much pain. It's such a hard thing to fucking know what to it's, that's why I said, like, we just can't, literally can't make sense of it because to, to make sense or to process part of it means to have another part of it sorted out. And so it's like a seesaw where you're going between, oh, but this, oh, but this, oh, but this is going to be really beautiful. Collectively, there's going to be such a shift yeah. in the way we are. Yeah. Like, and then, oh, but what about the people who are stuck in the cracks now who aren't going to get the support they need? Right. Oh, but right. It's all, it's all, it's, it's just a lot, isn't it? It's just a lot. So, so let's talk about some, some strategies. Cause I'm the same as you. I mean, someone left the freezer open yesterday and so all of the batch cooking and all that sort of stuff unfrozen. And I was so, I was so angry. Then I'm like, oh my God, you're complaining that you're yeah. beautiful freezer full of healthy food for your family. Lisa, get over yourself. You know, yeah, well, so let's, let's talk about some strategies for our poor brains who are just like trying yeah. hard. It's okay to be angry. You don't see, I, it's like we think um, if we compare the emotions to like kids in the schoolyard, it's like we think happiness or contentment or peace or any of those things is like the coolest kid in the school. We only want to be that one. And then anger is like the really naughty kid that we don't, our parents don't want us to play with that kid. We don't want to hang out with that kid. But actually every single emotion, just like every child in the school, is completely valid and, valid and important. And when anger comes, it's not a bad thing. So you can slam the fridge and you can be angry and you you don't even have to be like I'm all for gentle parenting, but I think it's also important to yell and ah! uh, it doesn't mean you have to disrespectfully do it in your child's face and frighten them. That's a separate issue. But being angry and expressing your anger isn't a bad thing. It's a, it's a healthy thing because if you weren't, you'd be holding the anger inside you. And if you're going, I get a grip, Lisa, I've got this, my life's, you know, think of all these other people. And then you're holding on to the anger inside you because you're trying to rationalize why you shouldn't be feeling it. Then you're, you're keeping it inside you mm. as there's no, anger is not, not a bad person. Anger's a good person who gets a bad rap. I love anger. Yeah. Anger's my new best friend. Uh Well, I I think I don't, I don't naturally flip to anger. I'm just not a a naturally like, um, I don't think I ever really have been. I think I'm, I'm quite chill in lots of ways, but I was like, who left the freezer door open? Who was the last person to put the icy poles in the freezer? (laughs) That's Lisa's version. Which, which is scary to my children because I don't see it very often. Who oh. did it? Who did, who's going to tell me all of this wasted food? <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, no one kind of. He he was the oh, one. I, I mean, he got out the this. I'm like, I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I, I think that kind of, that style of anger is fine. And, I mean, I don't even really call that anger. But, <laughs> but you can call it what you like because whatever you call it, is all that matters. That's another thing. Your brain likes to have a name for a feeling and there's a lot of feelings happening right now that we can't put names to because they're different to how we've had them before. Mm. Talk to me about that. What do you what do you mean? Okay, so the brain like the brain is like a filing system or a computer. Okay. So if I was to Google search um, a feeling that didn't have a name and I'd go, Siri, what's the Siri, um, what do I do about you know that feeling that happens when you're kind of like tired but then you don't really know what that person's thinking and then you start thinking about them and you try and describe something and Siri's like, I don't know what that means. I can't help you out. But if you could say, Siri, uh, what do you do about anger? 
then Siri could go, okay, this is what you do about anger. So it's the brain is like the same. Your brain is a computer. So even if the feeling you are experiencing isn't one of the feelings that they have listed as feelings um, that we all know about, that's okay. That feeling is still valid and you can make up a name for it. And then if it has a title, a label, a name, the brain will start to, even though that even though that is just a word that you've made up, I mean, essentially every single name for any feeling is just a word that's been made up. But having a title allows the brain to categorise it and start processing it. So, you know, it's, it's really funny because when I asked people today when they were sharing how they were feeling, someone wrote um, uh, Corona Bipolar, which is obviously not a technical but term but uh but as soon as I saw that I was like yes it's like to describe this current situation it's like I'm a sometimes this and I'm a sometimes this and then I'm a sometimes that and it's and it can it it's feeling a bit you know manic and down and like all that sort of stuff and a lot of people wrote and said that's exactly what it feels like so is that sort of what you mean like if we can name it we can accept it and yeah, if you're having an experience like that, which I'm having as well, I'm going through these manic, um, mm-hmm. let's do all the Insta filters, things with Maple, like we've been singing on Instagram and doing filters of crazy stuff that I would never, never normally do. And then I'm so lethargic. I'm like, sorry, guys, don't even come near me. Just go and watch another movie. And so it's just, so I understand Corona Bipolar makes so much sense to me. So giving a, a title that makes sense to you to explain a feeling gives you a reference point or gives your brain a reference point um, for then how to action that or how to make sense of it, how to integrate that feeling. Um, it's just a silly little thing with the brain like, and this is research shows us this. Brene Brown does it. She talks about it in her research as well. Uh, and if she does it, we all should do it. I mean, <laughs> could someone just like the Bible? Yeah, you know, by Brene. Yes, whatever she says goes. Mm-hmm. So, so okay. So that's really that's a really good thing is to just like stop and try and give your brain a reference for whatever it is that you're feeling. Yes. What else? What else can we do to help our help our brains at okay, the moment? So- even you know sometimes and I'd love to know also when you're when you're speaking to someone who's kind of <clears throat> having a moment as well so how do we help ourselves but also is there anything helpful that you might be able to share about so you, know, really you did say we can't. it's a really good question I don't know how to do this in a way to support other people at this point in time okay we can we can circle back Let's in a month back. when everything's turned to total shit I was going to say our brain is seeking predictability. Mm. So, and you know this because I've heard you talk about it, predictability can either be a safety blanket or it can be a bloody lifesaver. The brain Mm. loves predictability. So it will either use it to stop trying new things and just to be in the safety zone. But when we're anxious, when we're not coping, when there's an unknown or when we're a bit on edge or in a heightened state of arousal and we're just jumpy and everything's a bit too much for me to make sense of, predictability is your brain's best friend. Mm-hmm. And the reason that people always bang on so much about having a routine and having structure is all because the whole thing is based on our brain needing predictability. So the routine isn't important. Structure isn't important. What we're actually getting from those things is a sense of predictability for our brain. Mm. There are other ways. At the moment, it's really, really hard to have any kind of a routine. Like I don't know if anyone's got an actual routine going at the moment, but um, I don't have routine. routine. So routine is like... (laughs) trying to have a routine at a time like this is kind of great. So uh, no offence to anyone who's great with routine who's got a routine down pat. I'm really I'm so happy. glad that you said this because I thought you were just about to say, like, this is exactly why you need to have your hours worked out. Oh, and, and I'm like. I mean, the people who can do that, who do work that way, it's it's brilliant. And they are blessed and their brain will be happy because that is a really good source of predictability. But for everyone else like me who just literally, I just, it's not even, it's not even a story I tell myself. I just actually can't stick to a routine. Legit. So 
I need to create a sense of predictability within my environment that my brain can perceive. So something like singing a chant, like every little cell, this is one of the reasons I ask people to sing every little cell, any kind of song that's just a mantra or something small, short that you sing over and over and over and over, or this is a good time to listen to your hip-hop or your rap or something that's just really repetitive or classical music because it's very repetitive, Um, African drumming or just drumming, anything like that, if you play it in your environment, what you're doing is you're creating sensory input that is super repetitive and doesn't change. And the brain hears all of that. So everything that we hear comes through our ears, through the auditory sensory system and goes to our brain and the brain has to make sense of it. And so we're just having this drum, let's just say we're having hip hop or a drum beat, a drum loop on repeat playing in the background. That goes to the brain and the brain's like, oh, I know what's happening here. This this beat isn't changing. This I know what's going to happen next. It's just going to go and then it does. And then the brain's like, oh, I got it. I was right. Like I understand this environment. I'm in control right now. I'm feeling safe. And a brain that feels safe is not in survival mode. So we don't need to actually be safe to trick our brain into feeling safe. We can create an environment or adapt our environment in a way that allows our brain to perceive a sense of predictability. This is nuts. Oh, no. This is nuts. Do you know what I've had on the last few days is Daft Punk? Because (laughs) those songs are just the same thing over and over and over again. and And I've also been playing it very loud. I don't know why. I don't usually like very loud music, but it's like the portable speaker is up full bore. Like you can hear it from the street probably. Don't care. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, there's a reason for that too. So when um, when we are feeling, when we are in a heightened state, so it's like it comes back to that whole thing where they say never tell an anxious person to never has anyone calmed down by being told to calm down. (laughs) it does not happen like it is impossible yet we say to tell people to calm down all the time and it literally does not do a thing what we need to do when we are in a heightened state and our intensity levels might be up here and we're all just buzzing up a bit up here like we need to match that and then move so we match it with a loud song a fast song a heavy metal song an intense song and we match the, the mood of the music we're listening to matches that heightened arousal in our brain and our nervous systems are pent up. Our sympathetic nervous system is on and we're just like, and so we listen to like Daft Punk on really loud. Where is that? How does that song go? Where is One more time. We're going to celebrate that one. Yeah. Um, and you have it loud and it matches your intensity level. But what you can do then if you want to move yourself out of this heightened state, which is what music therapists call this, the ISO principle, we then listen to the next song might be a little bit less loud or a little bit slower or a little bit less intense. And then the third song might be sort of 80 beats per minute, which is roughly the resting heart rate. And we are able to take ourselves from a state of heightened arousal down, down, down. It's like um, but it's okay if you need to listen to that loud music for ages. You don't have to bring your state down. You can just match it and support your feeling and validate it and be with it in that heightened state and not move it anywhere. Well, it's funny because today in my kind of lower mood, it wasn't what I wanted to listen to. It has been the last few days and I've been like dancing around and going like, who's going to put on weight in quarantine? Not me because I'm dancing all the time. Around the house. <laughs> and then today I'm like, Michael Jackson, the Earth song, heal the world. Like, I was, I was, because I couldn't, I couldn't get myself. I put on a bit of duff, and I just, I wasn't feeling it. I just, I couldn't do anything. So that makes total sense that we want it to match. And you can do this with your children. You can use use this same concept to support your children. And some people, when our child, just imagine your child is anxious and they're in a heightened state. They're all worked up. 
And when you say calm down or what you try to calm them down, you're basically asking them to jump from the top step of the ladder onto ground floor in one go. Yeah. But when we match where they're at with, for example, music is just a really, and you know, music is, is my specialty. So that's my, my example. There's other ways to do it with exercise and movement and all sorts of things. But music, you can, if you match where they're at, so just, for example, if you're doing this with your children, you use music that they resonate with, that they want to listen to, that they will engage with, mm-hmm. and use a song that matches where they're at and then the next one can be a little bit less and a little bit less until mm-hmm. you're, you've, you've met your child on the top step and you've stepped down the ladders together and then you've ended up on the ground floor together and you've moved them instead of asking them to jump. Oh, my gosh. It's and, so very beautiful. And can, but can I just say also um, Bronwyn has just said music has been a saviour of hers for a long time now. I finally get why. Would love to read or find out more on this. Bronwyn, just go and follow Ali at her Facebook page. Yeah, she's got all the information. And Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And she's got a program about it. So I just wanted to say that to anyone who's watching going, what is this? Um, yeah. She's yeah. a woman. Yeah. I just opened up my membership again because I've had, oh. it's not usually open, but I've had so many people emailing me and going, of course. how can I, what can I do? And the membership is all about using music to support anxiety and regulation. So you'll um, find can you, What's find the it. website? What's the web address for that? Uh, for the membership, it's alisondavies.com.au slash brain care. Okay. We need to, if someone needs to write that page, you'll find a post about it as well. Okay. It's not yeah, hard yeah. to find. Okay. It's not hard to find. I wanted to say on this whole, um, this whole ISO principle thing where you can match where we're at and then move us to a new place it goes the other way as well if we're lethargic and we're like don't even i'm not moving off the couch because i'm sure there's some people like that who are like oh i'm not even going to open my eyes so don't bother just go and play uh who literally are so shut down and need energy so we can do the same thing which is where we do start with the really really gentle sort of music and then we in intensify it and help lift the energy and arousal levels um i also wanted to say i do this with audio books as well so especially i do this with my son chester who's super hyperactive and he's always in a really heightened state and it's difficult for him to engage in activities that are a normal pace so when we're listening to audio books audible i like I speed up, you know how you can change the, the tempo of, of their narrating and I put it on 1.25. So when Kate Winslet's reading about the faraway tree, she's a bit like, <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. But to him, that's just normal pace. He can get with that. He can connect with that and he can engage in the story. And because he's going, he is going so fast. And then once he's engaged in that, I just secretly turn it back down to one. And so she, all of a sudden then she's talking back at a normal talking pace and I've effectively brought his state from this heightened hyperactive state back down to like, uh, I was going to say room temperature, but you know what I mean? Like standard um, resting heart rate type style um, arousal level. So you can do that with yourself as well. Um, I find that when I'm highly anxious, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when I go to bed and I try to read, I read the sentence and I read the sentence and I read the sentence and then I try to read the page and then I get to the end of the page and I'm like, who am I kidding? All I've been thinking about is everything that's going in my life. I haven't, I haven't read a single thing. And I know that that's because I'm like up here in this heightened state and I'm not at the capacity to be able to read because reading is so much slower than the, the, the rate at which we're thinking in our head. So that is a really surefire sign that you are really a little bit heightened. Um, And then so matching it with some music or matching it with an audible book that's a bit faster or whatever and then bringing it down is a really good way to prepare yourself because this is really pertinent when it comes to sleeping because we do need to come down the steps of the ladder to actually go to sleep. Could you just, like, come and live with me? Yeah, after this is all done. After we, we can move out of our homes, just come because you've just got so much good information. It's just so good, Ali. Yeah, I should write a book. Can you? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's been on my list for so long. And then I kept telling myself, this isolation period is a perfect time to write a book. But then I'm like, why am I trying to make myself 
Like I'm defeating the purpose because I'm actually enjoying no expectations, no appointments, no nothing. And I really want to bask in that. And can we talk about that? Because I do think that there's a lot of people that are like, make the most of the time. And I'm like, what time? I've got three children around me and I'm working and I just, I don't, and also like, I don't feel like getting up at 5am to get on top of things. Like right now, I'm just giving myself a bit of grace, but Mm. I mean, we can't expect too much from ourselves right now, can we? No. And I mean, personally, and this might also be another privileged perspective and that's okay. I've also had this book in mind that I've wanted to write for years called The Paradox of the Privileged Mum because I always have these thoughts and I'm like, oh, but I'm such a privileged person that I shouldn't be able to think like that. And then all I'm doing is denying myself my, anyway, that's another story. I don't think I'm actually going to write that book. But um, I have this I have this idea that if everything goes back to normal after this, I'll be really pissed off. Like I don't want to go back to bed. I have constantly had this this phrase that the Dalai Lama said in my head, like for years I've been thinking the world does not need more successful people. Mm. <laughs> the world does not need more successful people. It needs more healers and love bringers or I can't remember his exact words, so please don't quote me on that last bit. It's like the world needs more healers and, in, and artists and creators or something like that. And yeah. I've had that, I've had that, that phrase just pops into my head all the time. The world does not need more successful people. And I take that in my own way to mean the world does not mean more, need more busy people. The world does not need more people booking appointments and sticking to appointments. And it, it's not to me about success as such in terms of, you know, what we'd normally see success to me, the way to me it's about the way I live my lifestyle. And I certainly want this experience to be um, significant enough for me not to go back to the way I was living. And collectively I hope that happens as well. I know, but it's like things have to get so bad, so uncomfortable in order for that to happen. Like the systems have to break because don't you see there's just so many people trying to uphold what is like just keep the structures, keep the systems, but it's not going to, it's not going to work. I mean, I, I, I do think that the, that what we're about to enter is going to be um, transformative and if and if it isn't we've lost an opportunity and what are we going to get slammed with next yes so we get the we get the point that what we've created for ourselves isn't actually conducive to human health and happiness and everyone's like oh the planet I'm like the planet will survive yeah <laughs> she'll go on living planet's doing this she's like giving us the sign and we're the ones just going what do you mean oh my god my grace you know (laughs) I just yeah and you know what Uh, uh, and I've probably said this to you before our brains were not designed for this shit like throughout if you think of the whole of human history from the very first people that ever existed no one has lived what we live um, in, in this all only started post-industrial revolution, which was only a couple of hundred years ago. Before then, people didn't even have lights. So for the whole of human history, no one's even had lights, let alone batteries and brands and screens and, and all of the things and all of the information. Like our brain was not designed to cut out for this was not designed to cope with this level of information and this level of stuff and the, the lifestyle we're in, the fast-paced expectations, the six appointments a day and, you know, all of this stuff, like, it's not sustainable. It's actually not sustainable and that's why so many people are living in such chronic and acute states of anxiety and self-destruction and not being able to function and it's no one's fault it's no one's fault it's where we are in history and it's it's the the modern western fast-paced hectic expectation dense world that we live in we literally can't keep living in this world without a drastic shift our brains can't actually do it i can 
there is that. So there is that. Uh, and, and I do remember when we did that podcast interview and it was with Nick as well because obviously, you know, he, he was always curious about his anxiety and all of that sort of thing. And when you were explaining it in that way and, I mean, he was a, high, he was sensitive, a sensitive person and I at that time was like, I like the pace. I like deadline. I like Like I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have. And I was just in complete denial about the fact that I had adrenaline racing the whole time. I, I wasn't wanting to stop and look around at my life. I didn't want to slow down was, was actually my problem. And, you know, last year, what, what that period of, I mean, I, I pretty much, I mean, I've been grieving for a few years really and and I do think that there's different types of grief. I was talking to a friend yesterday who's a psychologist about disenfranchised grief, which I hadn't really understood before, but it's like when when you don't feel quite um, able to talk about or, or justified in your grief, like people who maybe have, who have, um, were going on a holiday that they'd planned for the last 10 years and suddenly it's off and they're like, oh, but that's, you know, who am I to just to be yeah. sad about that? Or like when you're when an animal dies, and and everyone's like, well, it's I mean, it's just a cat. Yes, that cat has been around, and and so it feels like uh, I can't even remember why I started talking about that. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna go through this period of huge um, grief, and, and 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 there's nowhere else you can kind of be but in the grief. Yeah. As, as it's so consuming sometimes and it takes you by storm, but we're not even going to kind of know. I don't, I, I feel um, it's easy for me to spot grief now that I know it. Yes. Less easy for me to spot because I'm still kind of addicted to pace for me to spot that as what it is instead because I call it my normal life. I call it normality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're going to all go through is like, I know this feeling or I know, I know this and I, and I get that. And that's something that I've wanted to change about myself. But this whole thing, like this is just what life is. And now you're telling me that's not what life is. I don't, then there's just void. Yeah. There's growth, actually, but it's growth. But it's first, growth. there's just like a but at first. There's like I'm the same. There's certain things in my life that I am aware, if I'm really true to myself, that I'm avoiding and pretending, and I know that they need what I know that I need to walk towards these things and stop using my avoidance things that I cling on to um, to av- to avoid having to work on these particular parts of my life but I know that they're there oh I know they need so much to work on there's always so much but here we are and now and now could you see like me trying to get to the point last time and getting totally lost like my brain is shutting down it's 9 30 this has been so amazing. Like I just wish we could talk all day every day. Tammy just said before you two should do a um you guys should do a Netflix special. I'm just like, it's give Ali the stage is how I've always felt about you. Just can now, like now they get what I was saying at the very beginning is just like lives change when they learn, when people learn what it is that you have to teach. And I'm so grateful that you've come on to have this conversation. We could literally talk all night. I actually could. Yeah. I was going to invite, I was going to say, when this is all over, you and the kids should come and stay with us because we live in the rainforest. There's like you have to stop. There's no, there's nowhere to go. We've got pretty bad internet service. If you came for a visit, you would slow down. I actually, I have just, I mean, yes, we're coming, so that's done. Uh, and but like, I think when 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 Nick passed away, and. I, I knew I needed to just be there for my children. I stopped all our after-school activities. I hired a housekeeper, a PA, like I just got help. And we just slowed right the fuck down and my whole life changed. And I'm like, oh, this is this. This is what it's meant to feel like. 
Right. And so I feel like I've kind of got that a, a new level of normal and it's just going to happen again. I think for me, I'm just, because I have a naturally extroverted nature, I'm just missing the interaction. Like when we got on, we were like, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because I, I miss people but like there's always just layers there's layers and there's things to learn and yeah. I mean I think that we probably will it would be great to chat with you again as this evolves and as it kind of goes further I think that there's going to be new things that I'm going to want to ask you and we'll all be in a different place like this is the crazy thing I mean can you even remember last week no and so it's just going to keep changing it's just it like it just feels like this is month has gone on forever. And imagine what this what a year used to feel like to people before they had a calendar and before they had appointments in their day. Like time must have gone so slowly for people all throughout history. Can you even imagine? I mean, my kids say that it was you know that year went so fast. When my son said that to me once, I was like, I can my childhood went on forever. Yes, I right. never had a sense of that. It was like twenty years before, between birthdays and between Christmas, <laughs> felt like it was never going to end. Ali, thank you, thank you for your amazing if wisdom. Can, if you can get us on Netflix, I'm a yes. Oh, how am I going to get us on Netflix? But if anyone here works for Netflix, yeah, let's do it. Um, go and follow Ali. Jump into her Brain Care Cafe. I didn't know the doors were open. Just do it. Get access to this information. We all need to be supporting our brains right now. Like, there's a lot going on, and you've just given us such awesome stuff. Like, you just you just shine a light on things that we don't understand. I don't understand, and then give me something to do. So, I adore you, Thanks. and I love you. Thank you, Ali. And guys, just share this with anyone who needs to see it because yeah. don't keep it to yourself. People need this stuff. People need Ali. Yeah. Good night. Bye. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode.